It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. This is the CHGO studios. We are broadcasting live from the West Loop in Studio A of our CHGO headquarters. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. It's guest week and we are excited to welcome in our guest. We'll get to her in just a few moments, but we got to introduce the other panel. We got to go over to the man that's usually in the middle, but for guest week, he's to uh, my far, far left. It's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Hello. You are currently in the lead in the 108 tourney by a couple percents, you know, and we haven't even done our live show yet. You know, Shane Reardon's doing his live show two to four or two to six right now. He's got four hours to push and he still can't beat you so you know it's, it's been interesting to watch we also got Vinny Duber out in spring training in Arizona it's day three of his coverage on the podcast you can follow him and all of his spring training updates at Vinny Duber and in the middle we have avid baseball historian and freelance columnist she is the host of Sabres interview series titled ballpark figures her work Effa Manley's Hidden Life, published by SB Nation, and her contribution to Yahoo's Privilege of Play series was recognized with the 2021 Sabre Analytic Conference Research Award and the Associated Press Sports Editor Award. You can follow her on Twitter, at Curly Fro. It's Shakia Taylor. Hi, Shakia. What up? Thank you for having me. We're extremely excited to have you. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the talk, uh, well, first off, we've had two guests on already, Herb, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and Shakia is the only one to bring beer. Buzz drank our beer. Uh, Nick... Nick just showed up. Shakia's bringing gifts, so uh, immediately she's already our favorite. So you know, shout out to you and shout out to Haymarket Brewing for the for the beers. What'd you would you bring? I brought Harold's eighty three Honey Ale. It was brewed over at Haymarket by Jay West and Sam Ross, two friends. It's a great beer. I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah, Herbie, how is it? Yeah, I mean during the pandemic when they released it, we got a couple growlers of those. Uh, 
They go down smooth. I've already taken down one. If you guys saw, you like down. Yeah, you guys were like, <laughs> "Hey, you drinking it so fast?" Like, it's firstly, it's hot in here, and secondly, delicious. Come on now. Very hot in here, yeah. But in the first team, for fifteen minutes, it was a six pack that turned quickly to a five pack because Herb just downed it. <laughs> um, I, it's very very fun to meet Shakia, uh, Shakia, have her on the podcast and, and talk to her for uh, a couple uh, moments before we get going. But uh, what I've learned is uh, Uncle Herb. Uh, Uncle it, it, Herb. Herb's got a new nickname. Uh, why don't you explain uh, Uncle Herb to me? Because I feel like you know Herb. A little bit more than I do. Um, I probably do, I guess. So, I mean, <laughs> I've known Herb for a little while now. Yeah, like four um, years, five years? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a little while. Herb, Herb and I became cool very early um, in my writing um, career. Um, and Herb and Lawrence Holmes had me over at the score quite a bit. So, like, they'll always be real special people. They're a little older than me, and I learned today <laughs> that, you know, Herb has uncle tendencies. You know, he has on Brooks sneakers and Adidas socks. <laughs> um, you know, he was talking about sweating. Like, you know, that's some uncle stuff. Like, community uncle, White Sox uncle Herb over here. And I do have nieces and nephews, so... I mean, that checks out. You have a lot of them, according to your Twitter. Yeah, I mean, guy Justin, who uh, is out there, Bad Guy Radio, he calls me Unc every single time. I'm like, how's it make you feel? I'm old, but not that old. But it's a sign of respect. I know, like, I know. It's a they sign think, of respect. You're like OG. I'm only 43. Like, 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 I feel like when somebody calls you Unc, you're like, like they call Anita Baker auntie. auntie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's a respected. She's like 60, though. Mm. And she, she earned that title. Right, but I she would also that. have on Brooks sneakers and Adidas socks. So, and I think you call me uncle because I am not not hip, not cool. Yeah, not yeah, like you definitely can be my uncle. Yellow, we won't talk about how old kids. I am, but I mean, I'm just cooler. So. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, like I mean, you said, I mean, Herb, Herb's rocking Brooks this. and you're rocking Griffies. I mean, there is there's two different levels yeah, here. Absolutely. I mean, they can't see your Griffies, but they're special. They're awesome shoes. You should get a pair of those uh, King Griffey Jr. What's it, Air Maxes? <laughs> yeah. Good sneakers there for the kids. Is that what they do say nowadays, sneakers? Ooh, we're going we're <laughs> to move on from him now. White Sox legend Ken Griffey Jr. But we're going to get to know Shakia before we go out to Vinny out in AZ. And first up, what we want to talk about is uh, your work with Haymarket Brewing in, in the summer of 54. Minnie Mignoso is now a Hall of Famer. Yes. Uh, Ernie Banks and, and, and Minnie Mignoso had a very uh, historic summer of 54 in Chicago. Uh, what, did you, what, what was the feeling uh, when he finally got uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, back in December, Minnie Mignoso? Minnie Mignoso uh, what was the feeling like after all of the work that you've done around Minnie? It was amazing. Like, I, I don't, I definitely can't take credit for anything, but I, I would say that being able to help elevate his story, um, to help put out the word that, like, you know, this is someone who's been overlooked. Um, and I know people viewed his time with the Sox in the later years as more of a novelty. Like, well, he didn't go away, you know, and they didn't take him seriously. But it's important. He was important to the game. He's important to Cuban players. You know, he's viewed as their Jackie Robinson. And that's that's not a small feat in any way. Um, it was a great night. You know, after he was elected, I got to go and spend time with his wife and his son Charlie, who are very lovely people, and they were just relieved. Like, it's long overdue. And, you know, I think when something's out of your hands, you feel a little helpless. Like, this is someone who did a lot, just game-wise, right? Like, mm-hmm. he accomplished so much. Like, the numbers are there, at least in my opinion, for what he, for what he did and what he represented. And also for me, you know, he was in Cleveland first. <laughs> And 
you know, um, if he hadn't come to Chicago, he may not have had the impact that he ended up having. And I think his story deserves to be told. And I'm so happy for his family. You know, um, it's too bad that it happened after he passed away. But it felt nice to go to Minnie's bar, to go to Slugger's and have a beer and just to commemorate, you know, a great person finally getting their due. Absolutely. And for those who don't know, Minnie Minoso like lived in the, on the north side. Mm -hmm. And the one time I did meet Minnie Minoso outside of Guaranteed Rate was at Sluggers. He was there <laughs> all the time. We were upstairs taking a couple of hacks. And I say Minnie Minoso at a Cubs bar. I'm like, what? I was like, I got to say what's up to the legend. I'd never seen a Minnie Minoso game, but I knew who Minnie Minoso yeah. was. I knew that was a guy I need to know before, you know, he was an older guy when I met him. I was like, mm -hmm. there's not going to be a chance for me to see him ever again. That was not true because he was there all the time. So it's a, a, a weird thing to have a baseball legend just chilling at a bar that you frequent. What I want to talk about is the Effa Manley piece that you okay. wrote and you won the Sabre Award sure for, did. like, I know a, a little bit of the story, but for our audience, Effa Manley, an outstanding story without giving too much away of the piece, so I want our people to go out and view it. What about Effa Manley makes her interesting and makes her uh, a pioneer in baseball? Well, she was, I should say is, first and only woman in Cooperstown, um, which we should change that, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm available. <laughs> um, but no, um, Effa Manley and her husband owned uh, the Newark Eagles, and it was pretty much unheard of at the time for um, a woman to be managing a baseball team at any level in any place. This is um, what, early 1900s? <laughs> 1800s 1940s <laughs> it's like the 40s what are you talking about uh, <laughs> she worked with larry doby he's not that old yeah. early 1900s <laughs> early 1900s Uncle over here destroying history first it's, half um, it's the first half of the 1900s you got that right herb <laughs> yeah, wasn't, is that when you were born uncle herb 78 Ooh. calm down man oh, that's, um that's so uh, the best year she uh she ran the team and she ran it fully she was a businesswoman she was an activist she used her position in society to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, she was a little problematic. You know, there were rumors that she had affairs with her players. None of that has been proven. I'm just letting you know, like, so nobody come after me. Um, but there were rumors that, you know, she had affairs with players. She famously got into um, a columnist argument with Jackie Robinson. Um, I was telling someone earlier today, actually, I think column arguments were the original diss tracks. <laughs> like, you know, every week somebody's like, you know, dear person whose political stance is not one that I agree with. And they would just go for hundreds of words. And she went back and forth with Jackie, which is like huge. But one of the things that I found was she recorded an oral history interview with the University of Kentucky um, not long before she passed, and completely unprompted, um, she says, and I am really white. And the first time I heard it, it stunned me, because all of my life, I have known Effa Manley as a black woman. Like, 
she is known in history as a black woman and not that her race necessarily makes or breaks her but it does make the story a little more interesting it kind of especially that period yeah it complicates things this is so let's say you know i don't think she had a reason to lie but some people think that she did things like that on purpose that like you know maybe she was mixed maybe she wasn't she lived the most mysterious life of anyone i've written about so far um, I would encourage if anyone who's a baseball fan or not, check her out. Dig into that story. The Negro Leagues have some amazing, amazing stories. And with your work, a lot of it based around the history of baseball, one thing that really stuck out to me, uh, this was from Dr. Jeremy Kroc, who you interviewed back in 2017. And he said, a person dies three times, first when their body stops functioning, second when they are buried, and finally when the last time someone says their name. Uh, his goal was to keep the names of Negro League ballplayers and other players uh, and others connected uh, to it uh, alive. Um, so, you know, kind of with the work that you've done with Minnie, even Effa, like you've, you've told the stories of these people who, you know, the story mm-hmm. might be ending at some point. And, and now Minnie lives in the Hall of Fame. Effa lives in the Hall of Fame as well. Uh, that was prior to your work. But um, what, what does it mean when you can really connect to those older stories and, and some of the stories that people really haven't been able to uncover with, you know, now the internet being you know so widespread, the mm-hmm. access to old newspapers? What has it been like to, you know, hit those pieces and those stories? It's incredible. I think one thing that we kind of take for granted with everything moving so fast and you know every having access to everything is there's so much history that we've walked away from uh because it's not necessarily digitized or it's not easily accessible like to get some of the things that i've used as sources i've emailed professors i've emailed librarians i've emailed archivists like hey can you just send me a pdf of this and i think the accessibility problem is an issue um and also the interest i um i don't think too many people nowadays are extremely interested in the history of things that happen in sport but sport is culture And so if you go back in time and you read things, you can bring it forward and it puts context for a lot of things that we experience now. You know, like, for example, Jackie Robinson Day, you know, everyone just talks about it very superficially. But if you go back and you look, you find that like Jackie Robinson Day actually wasn't a league idea. You know, Ken Griffey Jr. came up with that. He went and he asked, Rachel Robinson for permission to wear 42. And from there, it grew into, okay, well, whoever wants to wear it can wear it to becoming a league-wide thing. So, like, think about how important just that one little fact is. If Ken Griffey Jr. had not gone and said, hey, can I do this, we may not have Jackie Robinson Day at all. Well, and I know Jackie Robinson Day is an important day to you, too, because mm-hmm. it used to do uh, bartending, right, on the, the actual mm-hmm. April 15th day. Um, I don't know if that stopped with uh, co- uh, COVID, yeah. but um, what, what, what was that like? What were, what, on April 15th, like, what were you trying to accomplish when you were doing those events? I was raising money for the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Um, everything that we see with regard to his name, um, his wife and daughter have worked so hard to maintain his legacy, to sort of keep the truth of who he was as a person out there because Jackie was way more than just a ball player. 
he, you know, he was a multi-sport athlete, yes, but he invested in banks to help African Americans buy homes, and he was a civil rights activist, and he held a jazz concert at his home on the lawn to raise bail money for Martin Luther King Jr. Like, this is a whole person, and I think that most events celebrating him are really short-sighted and maybe it's not on purpose but there's just so much more to him as a person that i think we could learn from so the point of the the event it would be held at nisei lounge was to obviously have some fun mm. right like let's have some fun i'm always joking and messing around with people but to raise money for the foundation they send people to college um education super valuable and it was valued you know, amongst the Robinson family. And I know someone who went to college on a Jackie Robinson Foundation scholarship. Um, I just think charity is important. And as a baseball community, we have so many opportunities to give back. There are kids right here in Chicago who want to play, you know, who right. need uniforms and whatever. So that was pretty much my motivation. You know, what can I do to sort of create a community event? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, like, it's tough to boiled Jackie Robinson down to a day, which I think is probably the, the biggest thing that mm -hmm. you take away because not only was he a cool as hell ball player, uh, also did so much work outside of baseball. Uh, so yeah, I mean, such an important figure. And uh, you have a series on Sabre, baseball uh, ballpark figures, um, 8 p.m. Eastern time, first Thursday of each month. Uh, what's that been like? Because I know that's a new venture yeah. for you. Uh, what's the basis behind it? What's the idea behind it? What type of people are you having on it? And what kind of discussions? Ballpark figures um, is kind of a play on words, right? Like obviously Sabre, Society for American Baseball Research, there are people who are very into Sabre metrics in, in the organization. But then people at the ballpark are also ballpark figures. So the idea is to talk to various people from various points of the baseball community about you know different topics that matter to all of us. Um, my first guest, who was incredible. If you did not see it, it is available on YouTube. Uh, it was Coach Roger Cador. He was the baseball coach at Southern University in Louisiana. Just a legend. And he said, Miss Taylor, legends are dead. And I'm like, well, sorry, Coach, but you're a legend. <laughs> like, you can be a living legend. Um, and Leary legend's a thing. Leary Garcia is a living legend, right? Right in our, our, our city. That's enough. Coach was really <laughs> not feeling being called a legend, but it was nice to give him his flowers, you know, talk to him about his contributions to the sport. He, you know, is the winningest head coach in, in baseball, you know, as far as college baseball and HBCUs goes. Um, and he talked about how Dusty Baker helped him start his program, um, which he's had a shopping cart full of baseball equipment to start. And that's just the coolest thing. And then my second guest was Jessica Luther. We talked about women's baseball um, and, you know, just how women's baseball is so different in other countries as opposed to how it is here. Like they have a pipeline in Japan. They have, you know, high school girls who are literally grooming themselves to be professional baseball players over there. And it's like, we need to get with it in the States. Um, so that's pretty much the goal over the next, however long that I do this, I'll just talk to people and we'll get into interesting topics regarding baseball and hopefully people keep digging it. Absolutely. And one of the things too, that I really dug from you was your piece on 
Marcus Stroman and his do-rags, what he, what he was wearing for the Mets and how he performed with it. And you brought you know, a White Sox flavor uh, to us with, with this. You have uh, <laughs> something between the White Sox home runs and their gold change. We'll, br- we'll bring in Vinny Duber uh, for this part, too. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's writing all this great content uh, for allchgo.com. If you are a member, you could check out all of Vinny's 10 plus 11 articles that he's written down in spring training. Vinny, how's uh, Arizona been and how many articles do you think you're at at this point? Sean, I lost count. I lost okay, count. I'm going to be honest with you, but yeah, it's it's been it's been some long days out in the desert. But of course, the weather is great. Just you know, I mean, coming to you from indoors today because you know we got a windy day. It's a blustery day here out in Arizona. So they call it a boob wanna, there. Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want the computer to get you know picked up and thrown you know into the parking lot or something like that i'm very jealous of you guys you get the beer you 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 know you got a whole thing going on there today so you you win you win the environment uh, award today after i was out uh, out poolside yesterday so oh yeah well you get air conditioning at least it's, it's pretty hot in here right now so i yes. think you, you at least have that one up on us but shakia has the idea of tracking white Sox gold chains to home runs you want to explain uh, that to us a little bit because the guy that we're talking about today <laughs> jose abreu uh, i think there's probably a chain on him right now in that bobblehead uh what's the idea behind that so all of my stories just come from random ideas right and i was i admire Sox players jewelry selection um the gold chains are real heavy on that team and i'm a big fan of that and i started to wonder what's the gold chain to home run ratio (laughs) like for guys hitting a home run is he wearing one chain two Maybe three? Does it have a medallion on it? Are we, like, I just feel like there is could be some fun there, and I'm probably going to start tracking it this season. I mean, Yoan, I think, wears the most. Him okay. or Aloy, they're both uh, wearing these big-ass Cuban links, <laughs> and Yoan's like, he's like, buttons are optional because his button is, like, in the middle. So I don't have a problem a, with that. I huh? don't have, we, there's no problem with that. No, you know, mm, no. I mean, and I, if, I mean, you, if you got it, if you got it, it, flaunt it. Taco meats in season. <laughs> like I, I saw, <laughs> I saw, I was oh, uh, goodness. <laughs> watching the Sox and A's uh, just the past year. We were at, we were at the park and I was lucky to sit, you know, pretty close and like just seeing like Starling Marte's chains. Like they're, they're insane. Uh, just like the size of them. Like these guys actually absolutely show out like Eloy. Not only is he six, four, but then he also has like, you know, 20 pounds of, of jewelry around his neck as well. Uh, so, Vinny, uh, have you noticed any gold chains out in spring training yet? Um, 190 home runs were hit by the White Sox last year, so we're going to have to go through some video evidence to figure out the the home run to gold chain ratio here. But uh, any gold chains out there? And, and maybe we got a new uh, idea you can ask the boys about. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, look, this team, you know, they've got they're they're packed with them. I mean, Jose Abreu is leading the way, I think, uh, uh, you know, he looks like he could be, you know, in the Bee Gees or something with what he's got going on. Uh, but then you got uh, Moncada, Aloy, Luis Robert. They've all got it on there. And that's a lot of power in that uh, quartet alone right there. So I, I do remember back to 2020, the covid season, no fans in the ballpark. And when Jose Abreu did anything that required him to run to first base. You could hear those things jangling <laughs> from uh, from up in the press box. So uh, that. that that's that's very interesting that you get the audio element to go along with the with the visual of the chains too. And I like to ask our guest, and I know you're not a dyed-in-the-wool White Sox fan. You are a fan of baseball. You grew up a Cleveland Indians fan. Now they are the Guardians. What is your baseball origin story? How did you get into the game? Well, 
So one day I was born and no, um, <laughs> my baseball origin story is, is pretty, I don't know, it's pretty, pretty boring. I, um, we moved to Youngstown, in Youngstown, Ohio. For those of you who don't know, it's about 60 miles from Cleveland. Um, we moved there in 93 and, um, Pretty sure everyone remembers 90s Cleveland baseball. No, we don't. No. Oh, no, not would here. you like I me to remind sauce. you? No, it hurts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and so a good way to make friends is through sport, right? Like, like look at us, right? Like, a good way to make friends is through sport. So um, we moved to Youngstown in 93 right before my 11th birthday, and I was very upset with my parents because why would you move before my birthday. <laughs> so I gotta go to a new city. I don't got no friends. Can't middle have a of school party, year. Middle right. of school years, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Then plan um, this out. Then think this one through. Yeah, no. I mean, my parents were just like, we got new jobs, but like, uh, hello, I'm in fifth grade. Um, and it worked out. I made a ton of friends through baseball. All my friends had those um, starter jackets for Cleveland. They were big fans. You know, um, back when you, you know, were wearing the mascot that we would never wear today. Yes. Um, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And and the Browns, remember, they left. The Baltimore. 95, right? Boo Art Model. Um Hope he's the, rotten in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but the Browns left, so baseball was what we had, and baseball was how I made my friends. I'm still friends to this day with the very same people who got me into baseball. That's, That's awesome. And, and you and moved to Chicago to go to school, right? Yep, moved to Chicago to go to Loyola, go Ramblers, and um that's that's pretty much all she wrote. And Although everyone thinks that I'm from the South Side and I'm a Sox fan, so I just thing, ride with it. When I first met you, I was like, Oh yeah, she's South Side. She's because the thing is that you don't really necessarily have like allegiance to Cubs or Sox. I think you are more strongly go to the Sox side because you have more Sox fans. But you on the North side, you kick it with North Siders on the Nisei Lounge and such. So mm -hmm. that's what like what I uh, found uh, amazing about you. Like you are Chicago, but you're not of Chicago because you're not like, hey, I got to pick a side and uh I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta correct the record here because I, for a little bit, Herb, uh -oh. I was, I was liking. Hear me out. Yep. Pre, pre twenty sixteen, yep. I did enjoy the Cubs because the Sox are a division rival. Like mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you guys are are fun, and you know, I used to be able to buy an entire row of seats at games <laughs> and invite all my friends. So I went to games, but like I definitely would kind of side eye the Sox a little bit until twenty sixteen. Once 2016 happened and Cubs fans started really, really burning my grits, I was like, nah, you can have that. Like, Well, and I heard that you said, said on the House of L that, like, you know, Guaranteed Right Park is more of a vibe. It, like, it's it's way oh, sure. more more easy to go to a game to, yeah. to at Guaranteed Right than Wrigley. Yeah, I mean, like, Wrigley has the, like, Ghosts of Baseball Pass vibe that I really dig on, like, an Easter Sunday type situation. And Comiscular. The G spot, you know, call it whatever you want at this point, like has more of that like Friday night at the ballpark feel, you know, take down six or seven beers in a couple innings and just see where it goes. Um. <laughs> it's a good atmosphere. It's I think it's the best. I think Wrigley's vastly overrated. It's not the Sox thing. I just think it's good because it's old. That's the only reason why people love it. But at guarantee rate, I think you can have different ballpark experiences at different seats. Absolutely. So, like, we were sitting in the uh, ballpark uh, 
the craft cave, as yep. they call it now. Total different thing. And uh, I think uh, Derek Holland was hitting on me a little bit. I hitting on to, you? Yes, Derek Holland, the, I think Tigers pitcher now. We exchanged. He's got to be out of the league. Come on. No, he was, he was pitching there. last I, year. I was sitting was next Yes, we exchanged. He's a free agent. Instagram. Janice and I were sitting Instagram next to messages with Derek Holland. because he was. Because I was think I was wearing something. I was like, I'm a line I fan. He's like. Mm, a line I fan boo. I was like, we're a basketball school, and he was talking smack. I forgot what school. He Are went you a to. basketball school? Go Ramblers. Hey man, what you, you, just yeah! up, you brought up the you brought up the Lindians, hey. '90s Lindians, and now you're gonna bring up some some. You old guys shit? lost to Loyola. Why are you gonna bring up some old stuff? Io and what's the kid's Kofi. name? It doesn't matter. You lost. You got backdoor <laughs> cut up. Shout out to Cameron Crutwig and uh, the Loyola Ramblers. You got beat by a guy with a mustache like Cameron Crutwig. Have you seen just, him? Just like Vinny. No. Vin- Could you imagine no, getting hooped on Vinny by Vinny? Vinny has an actual mustache. Cameron Crutwig has yeah, a, yeah. a oh, starter like the, one. Oh, okay. The is, starter. Is it, is it even? It's, it's just like, it looks like dirt. Like, yeah. you know, like you just maybe had a couple of Oreos. Like he was eating some Oreos. chocolate and he forgot to take yeah, it off. Yeah, yeah. But either way, they beat y'all. Yeah, mm. and, and since we're talking about March Madness, I uh, got to mention the best way to support CHGO is to download That's the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt from your of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 first-time uh, deposit at PointsBet. And if you become a member of CHGO, you'll be able to access all of Vinny's great articles. You'll get the live shows. You'll get the podcast all for free. But that premium written content is behind the paywall. So again, if you uh, use the code CHGO, you get $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a first-time $50 deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. Online sign-up for PointsBet is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account all from start to finish from your phone. And since we mentioned college basketball, during PointsBet March Match Madness, I'm sorry, during March Madness in Match Madness, PointsBet's Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so we got the you know the, the college basketball shit talking out of the way. Uh, let's go to uh, so some Sox news out in Arizona. Vinny, uh, we mentioned the gold chain. We mentioned uh, hearing Jose Abreu's chain in 2020. Uh, Jose Abreu spoke today at, uh, at, at Camelback Ranch. What was the uh, big news from Abreu? Yeah, this is the uh, last year of Jose Abreu's contract, and so he was asked about it, and I think everybody was expecting the same thing that we heard from Jose the last time he was in a contract year, which was him basically doing Rick Hahn's job for him and saying, I'll resign myself if I don't get a new contract. Uh, obviously, he got that contract, but this time around, he said, we'll see at the end of the season. He basically, you know, I think it, in a vacuum, you know, what he said was not really shocking. It's what you hear from people who are in the last year of a contract. I'm going to wait till the end of the year. I'll make a decision. We'll see what the future kind of holds. But when it's Jose Abreu and he's on the White Sox, it's, it, it hits a little different. And, and it was a definite, definite kind of 180 or at least a very stark contrast to the kind of talk that he was doing three years ago. Uh, and so I think, you know, it raised some eyebrows. And, you know, we even talked to Aloy Jimenez and, he, and someone brought up, you know, what if this is the last year you play with Jose? And he was like, 
we'll see. Let's have some fun. Hopefully he comes back, but who knows kind of thing. And I don't think anybody was kind of uh, expecting to hear that, even if, like I said, if this was just any other guy, that's kind of the thing you would expect. But this being a Abreu and the way that he is so glowingly talked about wanting to be a White Sox for life, uh, that was kind of interesting to hear today, certainly. Right, Shakia and Herb, we obviously see the bobbleheads in front of us. Silver Slugger Award, MVP. We talked about his importance, too, to the team uh, before we, we went on. And, uh, Herb, we'll go to you first. Like, What would be the actual impact of if Abreu retired after the season or just left the Sox in general? I mean, he would be a free agent. He doesn't have to retire. Yeah, I don't know if Jose is really thinking about retirement, but maybe he's putting word out there like, hey, guys, it's my, my last go-round. Let's do some things. Let's do something special here. I mean, you see the quotes you hear from the Giants people where Buster Posey was telling them daily, hey, guys, I'm leaving after this, so let's do something special. And they did almost do something special, won the most games in the National League and the whole league, and almost did it for Buster Posey. And maybe that's what Jose's trying to do, like garner up some, hey, let's do it for Jose, one last ride type of stuff. And I can't see him retiring at 35. He's been playing baseball for 36. I can't see him doing that. I cannot see him doing that after all he's done. He's played baseball for a long time. The one thing, as you should know, as a Tom Brady fan, these guys can't give it up. Oh, no. And it's not necessarily about the game. It's about the people. He gets around the people and it's like, man, this is camaraderie. This is brotherhood. This is what I enjoy. And not doing this, what else can I do? You know, growing up in Cuba, he's probably – dreamed about being a major league baseball player and why would he give that up just to do what so i'm just thinking he's using this as a maybe a motivational tool just saying hey guys this might be my last year so while i'm here let's take advantage let's kick some ass and if jose abreu leaves the white Sox, i don't know the white Sox without the jose abreu it's kind of weird like i know they can just move in gavin sheets or andrew vaughn it's not the same though I know you're a big-time hater, so. I'm not a big-time Jose Abreu (laughs) fan. we got to clear up the Brady stuff. Like, I was four years old. He was the coolest football player because he just won the Super Bowl. Uh, But now, now, you know, 20 years after that, uh, he's just turning into Brett Favre. And and Brett Favre just isn't cool. Uh, Jose Abreu is cool, though. So, I mean, like, I'm I'm off the Brady train. So, uh, we don't need to be bringing up him. I like how you're, like, (laughs) confessing that you no longer like Tom Brady because I gave you that look. Oh, I I mean, it's a fair look to give with everything that he's been up to. I mean, I don't believe you, but keep on going. (laughs) He's probably at home with his little Michigan jersey on. No, it's a Patriot. It's a Patriot. He didn't even know he went to Michigan. He's too young. When I was four years old, whatever. They won the championship when I was uh, uh, born, I you're think, that in kid. 1997. You're that, you're that kid in Boston with, like, I've been to, I've seen seven Boston Bruins <laughs> and three Celtics and two uh, Boston uh, Red Sox championships, and I'm 12. Like, you're a jerk, too, kid. Right, you're still a loser, little boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I just think that Jose is, is playing the game. He, he's he's coming back. I don't know. There's no way you don't in. You think he's tired? You don't think he's tired? Like 1900 like, professional games. You know, like I mean, like from be like let's let's think about this from a non-emotional standpoint. Like mm-hmm. his cultural impact on the team cannot be overstated. His cultural impact on Cuban players cannot be overstated. He could be an ambassador to the league. The White Sox do a really phenomenal job of staying in touch with players who retire so I don't think you have to worry about him going away um 
But like, you don't think he's, he's just tired. I like, mean, my man's only- always getting hit and <laughs> stepped on and he fallen and like, you know, I'd be he tired. Never, he never misses a game. Like that Hunter uh, Renfro, not Hunter Renfro, who get him last Dozier? year? Hunter Dozier, who like headbutt him last year. He wanted to keep in the game and eventually he won that series at the uh, stolen base to win the game. But I think the only reason he would retire, he still has a young family, some of them still in Cuba. He might still want to use his knees. Like <laughs> he doesn't need them. Um, he almost blew it out saving Carlos Rodon's oh uh, no header. I thought he was last out year. forever. But yeah, I I just don't see it. Like these guys are creatures of habit. Like if he wants to, like he's a, also a guy that seems like a stern uh, guy. And maybe he's like, hey, my family needs me. I played enough baseball. Young kids need to grow up seeing their daddies every day. I'll go home and. I've made enough money. Cool, I'm out. That's the only way. Otherwise, I don't know if that guy can lose, you know, can recreate yeah, that it, competitive fire somewhere else. It doesn't seem like a money thing for him. I mean, it does seem like he really is pretty loyal to the White Sox organization. I mean, he, he loyal. gave them a really good discount on the contract he, he signed. <laughs> he, he, and, then he, and then he delivered an MVP season. So it's Amazing. like, you know, I mean, he, he, he backed up the contract. He's definitely going to uh, get a statue. Yes. His number retired when he's done playing. Number retired. You, it you might retire. happen this year. It Literally, if he says, like, hey, I might not come back. You saw that with Harold Baines. Jerry Reinsdorf is a very loyal guy. Paul Konerko, too. Yeah, he'll put that. He'll he put a statue open out his there. Wallet then. I mean, I like Shane. Sorry to do that. I mean, but Shane, like, no, I mean you're, no, you're technically preaching. he's opened his wallet, but not not. You to, know what I'm saying? I'm talking about back the Brinks truck up to Comiscular and pay those boys. I like I bet you, if they if they were like, hey Jose. You know, about a couple, couple two tree, couple two tree million. <laughs> Bet you all of a sudden those knees feel a little less rickety. <laughs> a little lubricated. Like, like retirement seems a little further in the future when you when you open your wallet. Like, and this is for all teams, right? The owners are so cheap. Like, pay them. I bet uh, you, job. I bet you a nice Band-Aid is a couple million. Uh, I, I agree with that. Vinny, uh, on the talks of retirement, do, is, that, is it too soon to talk about it? Because, again, he, he is only 35, will be 36 in the offseason. Uh, do you think it's too early to talk about it, or do you think that's, that is on the table? I mean, he brought, he brought up the possibility today, you know what I mean? So I think that it's, it, it is still just a possibility because he brought up the other ones too, right, of sticking around or, or going to free agency and finding – another employer but uh, you know I I think it's not too early to talk about the question is does he need to do it and I think maybe uh, you look at some of the other stuff that he mentioned and he mentioned let's see what we accomplish this year let's see if we can meet the goals that we make maybe he can ride off into the sunset right maybe that's maybe that's what he's thinking about or you know and and to Herb's point I don't know if you know it's some sort of trick or anything like that but I think that that would be quite the motivating factor for the White Sox. And if he was able to write a storybook ending, that maybe that's the way he would go. That being said, I don't think he needs to retire, as we see from the production that he's putting up on a regular basis. Uh, you know, you go back to that last contract he signed and everybody was like, what are they doing? Resigning? He's so old. He's going to start getting worse. He goes to the MVP in 2020. He's one of the best hitters on the team in 2021. I mean, nobody's expecting him to bat anywhere but third for the White Sox this season. I mean, he's he deserves to be right in the middle of that lineup. He's as good a producer as anybody they got. And, you know, it, 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 he doesn't need to retire from a he's no good anymore standpoint. So maybe he is thinking about, you know, a last dance type of situation where he is just like, 
let's go, let's go win it. And then, and then, you know, maybe that's a good way to wrap things up, but you, you never know. I think the possibilities are open. The thing that struck me today is that he wasn't, you know, a million percent in to coming mm-hmm. back like he has been in the past. How does he look, Vinny? Like, is he in the best shape of his life or is he looking just like Jose Abreu? I think he looks like Jose Abreu, which is already pretty good, let's be honest. But, you know, to I, I think people were wondering, you know, they see these quotes and they're like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Jose? Is he OK? Kind of thing. Yeah, he's laughing and smiling all over camp like he always is. I mean, you know, he walked he walked through the door for the first time and turned to us uh, media type standing there and gave us the oh, how are you doing, my friends? Good to see you kind of thing. So he is not uh, he is not acting like this is some sort of sad occurrence or anything like that. He is acting the same as he always acts, which, of course, is extraordinarily important to the guys around him, specifically the ones we were talking about earlier, Moncada, Jimenez, Robert, those guys. But uh yeah, he's the same Jose Abreu. He's just uh, he's he's got a different attitude this year than he did three years ago. Well, and the attitude when Grandal signed was we want to win one for Jose. So I mean, it makes sense that if he wanted to go out on top with a ring, I mean that could make sense for his career arc. Grandal's got one more year after this. I mean, maybe Shakia's right. You back up the Brinks truck for a one-year deal. You you pay him twenty-two million dollars to play first base for you. Maybe he'll he'll come back. Those knees are feeling fine. Uh, the Brink's truck was backed up for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, they signed Chris Bryant, seven years, 182. Uh, so he's off the board. Castellanos and Conforto are now the only right fielders left uh, for the Sox if they're looking to fill out that hole. That I, happened about 30 minutes ago. What the? I, I get the money. What's the damn? Like, right. that, this, these moves are not congruent. You give away Nolan Arenado for nothing last year for the most part. Terra Story walks for free. Like, who do they have on that team except for Charlie Blackman? Now Chris Bryant's going to be holding up Colorado for seven years. I Congratulations on your money, my mans. But seriously, you're going to be in obscurity for the next seven until they trade you to some other team, and then you're at the end of your career. So I'm disappointed in Chris Bryant for signing that deal, but I hope you can count your money. Yes, you're gonna be counting. You're not gonna be counting wins. Well, and do you know who can uh, <laughs> can can make a first time fifty dollar deposit pretty easily? Chris Bryant, the $182 million man, and, and Dick Montfort, the owner of the uh, Rockies. Because if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our written web content, like Vinny's cranking out down in Arizona, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you could start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your life, live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we mentioned CHGO. Uh, we have a great recruiter. Uh, Shakia Taylor is our, our, our sky recruiter, apparently. Uh, she she put together the team of uh, Janice Curio and, and Sabria. Uh, you helped us out there. And, and now we got a great sky shirt on our CHGO locker that people can buy. Uh, you're all about inclusivity into the game, uh, diversity in media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to have that at CHGO. If you want to support us, all chgo.com. Um, but what, what, you know, Diversity in writing and diversity in baseball is, I think, a, an important topic. Uh, that was part of the reason why you're an award winner. Uh, your, your part uh, uh, from Yahoo was fantastic. Um, and we see it from the, the White Sox, too. Kenny Williams calling for it mm-hmm. in the front office uh, all throughout baseball. Uh, before we get back to a little bit more White Sox talk um, about 
inclusion in, in media and in sports in general. Um, how's it been, I guess? Uh, you know, it seems like it's been more of a topic over the past two years. Um, yes. But looking back, you know, now being in 2022, how do you think we've, we've done? Is, has there been progress, enough progress? What do you think? Well, I mean... There's never enough progress? Yeah, and progress <laughs> is such a funny thing to measure, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's like, how do we know when there's enough, right? Um, but I, I will say, initially, like when I first got into baseball writing um, in 2016, um, Claire Smith was the only mm-hmm. black woman writing about the sport. She was the first woman to be allowed in a clubhouse to write about the sport. So, like, massive hero for me. And for me to just be second in line to her is huge, huge, but also sad, like very sad. And I think it's important for any media site, any journalism situation to think about diversity, not just from the perspective of, you know, of gender, but diversity of thought. Those of us who have different backgrounds, we think differently, we have different perspectives. We all can offer something that maybe the next person didn't think of. And some people tend to think of inclusion as a way to exclude you know, some people, and that's really not it. It's really not it. Like, you can get the diversity part, but do you have the inclusion? Like, is are the thought processes changing? Are you bringing other people on board? Are you maybe looking at things that you should have done you know, a little differently, I think we're all in positions to grow, right? And if you are constantly around the same people, are you growing at all? Mm -hmm. If you aren't around people who agitate the way you think, who make you consider that maybe you're on the wrong side of things, um, you're not really doing much. So I think progress is slow, uh, but being steady and consistent wins the race. I, I can't wait to see the growth locally in the city, especially now. You know, I texted um, Lawrence Holmes to ask him about black women in sport in Chicago, right? And the ones who have been here, they weren't here long because ESPN scoops them up. And then there was me, and now there's Subria, and there's two of us. And that's huge. That's so huge. Like, I can't. I can't overstate a word I keep using, like, but how big it is, you know, to, to see us and to see Janice even. Right. And um, I think those of us in these positions with our platforms, we just got to help each other out, you know, like, hey, do you know somebody who might be interested in this? Or there's always a network, especially with Twitter. There's always a network. Right. And I've been, you know, like part of White Sox Twitter, like there's a lot of great women writers uh, out there. Janice does a, a podcast, uh, Estrogen Power Hour with Colleen Sullivan, Keelan Ballou, uh, Janice, obviously, and there's one more, I'm forgetting the name, uh, and I apologize for that. But you mentioned diversity of thought, and like I heard you talking about this, like baseball not embracing hobby bias and his uh, intensity of playing for mm-hmm. the game compared to, you know, stat heads like me i love mike trout but like the diversity of thought of you know it's not (laughs) right he doesn't want to be the face (laughs) of baseball is what you said we're we're bias has the the logo tattoo on his neck so like the diversity of thought of you know you're looking for personal interest stories you're looking for you know the stories that drive these people um and and you know the the interesting stories behind them um does baseball do a good enough job in your mind of of showing out those people that do truly embrace baseball 
um, because, you know, diversity is obviously an issue, but also just diversity of thinking about baseball. I mean, where, where do you see that as an issue? I mean, baseball does a terrible job of that. And I mean, capital B baseball is in like all over the place, not just in the U.S., right? Like, um, I'm going to use the White Sox as an example, since this is the White Sox pod, like. The White Sox have a very black team. You have a very swaggy team. You have guys with jerseys unbuttoned that Uncle Herb apparently is not a fan of chess. Um, you got one, guys in multiple like gold chains. And I feel like that's cool. I know, I know, I know. The traditionalists are like, oh, my God. He's not using <laughs> the buttons. Where is his belt? Iron your pants. Where is the Straighten starch? Straighten that cap up. Like, Right. Pull your pants up. Like there's this whole thing, but we got to get out of that. We got to get out of that. If you want to grow the game, you got to get used to having a little fun. You got to get used to guys, you know, wearing home run chains and maybe dancing across home plate. And I say it all the time and I'll say it now. If you don't want somebody to show you up, strike them out. (laughs) I mean, we talked yesterday to Vinny and he got to talk to Josh Harrison and that double play combo of him and Tim Henderson is very unusual for me to see. Also Especially, hot. It's it's, it's kind of hot. I, I can say I it. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. But uh, Vinny said, like, Josh Harrison's going to be a thing. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be hot. <laughs> okay. He makes that jersey look amazing. I got it. <laughs> I just want to make sure he's hot point. or the jersey's hot. He is hot in the jersey. How mm-hmm. about that? How about that? His beard is nicely moisturized, too. Beard is nicely moisturized. Shout out to Jay West. He's a big beard moisturization guy. Jay's in the chat, too. I yeah. saw Jay I saw him scrolling chat. by, He's too. He's the one who makes his, and his beard. He makes this beard. Our, our guy, Jake, uh, or Jack Silverstein, uh, he also said uh, your, your at should now be uh, CHGO underscore shake, because everyone here has a, an underscore in their name. Uh, and Vinny, so to speak a little bit more about Josh, and did he say anything when signing with the White Sox that, hey, having Tim Anderson here makes me want to come to the White Sox? I think uh, I would like to think that anybody that's looking to come to the White Sox would think that because Tim Anderson is a, is a, is a fun guy. I mean, Tim Anderson has that attitude. The thing that I noticed talking to Josh Harrison yesterday is that he sounded a lot like Tim Anderson. Yes. In, in that he was saying – you know, he was saying all those things like, I don't care, you know, if you struck me out the last 10 times, I know I'm better than you. I'm confident that I'm better than you and I'm going to beat you this time. That's how all of these White Sox players describe Tim Anderson. And they, and they say that that sort of attitude is infectious in a good way to everybody else on the roster. And to bring in another guy who's been around the block and has that reputation, like Tony LaRusso was talking about, when, that, when you have a reputation that you're a good clubhouse guy and you've been to however many teams that he's been to, that's a good thing because it shows that that everywhere you've gone, you've touched people in that positive way. Josh Harrison sounded a lot like Tim Anderson. So now you got two guys right up the middle on that infield. And obviously you got a bunch of guys who are confident in themselves so they wouldn't be, uh, you know, having their jerseys unbuttoned down to their to their waist because that takes some uh, self-confidence. Absolutely. <laughs> Chest take out for somebody, Eloy. I mean, take it, it from somebody who could not get away with walking around like that that you uh, you could definitely sense that these guys are confident in themselves. That's been the case ever since they were prospects. And to have Tim Anderson and Josh Harrison on the same team doing that is going to be very exciting. And I think White Sox fans are really going to appreciate that. Yeah, the cold- taco meat, would you say? Taco meat for everyone? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's in season. Oh, taco meat's in season. Okay. <laughs> that is Uncle Herb. Uh... I mean, but, like, wouldn't you say, you know, the White Sox, um, and this is for any of you, like, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting real death row vibes, right? Like, you want to oh. win games? You want to wear your jersey on button? 
You want to hit home runs and go chase? Come to death row. Like, you see it? Like, you see it? I like that. Like, I mean, <laughs> there's a guy. The, t- the guys are like, pay me, yeah. White Sox. Yeah, I'll come to death row. Give me a couple dollars. Uh, there's Back a, the Brinks truck at. There's a Tyrone Palmer on Twitter. And My he man's. Sa- yeah, and he said White Sox should just sign every black player. Uh, is that, that's that's his his mission statement is that I mean, every – Cutchin's gone, sorry. Yeah, Cutch is gone. But, yeah, they could bring back Be Good. They could bring back Billy Hamilton. Like, I mean, they, those, those guys fit the clubhouse. It was it was great to see, uh, you know, the the the, the uh, death row vibes, exactly like Shakia Kick said. Rocks, um, <laughs> yeah, kick Rocks, Kick Rocks, ho. I mean, uh, Chicago, Chicago White Sox Twitter goes – crazy with that kick rocks is one of the greatest things ever been said and he said that to like a fan after yeah. he crushed that home run and threw the bat to the <laughs> fucking moon well and Vinny, i want to bring in this topic and we didn't prep you on this so i'm, I'm sorry but uh it, it should be a fairly easy one uh shakia has a ton of baseball jerseys uh and i want to talk baseball jerseys with her uh and we, we you know the White Sox and hip hop culture, obviously, Death Row is a part too. But this is something that Shakira wrote back about uh, in 2018 uh, because of their, you know, very neutral colors, black and white. Uh, we, with the Sox, looking at their history, Vinny, what's your favorite all-time uniform look? Because we were having this discussion uh, before, uh, you know, the show even started and, and before you, you even got into your hotel room. So if you had to pick a, a uniform style, what you going with? Yeah, well, you have to remember, too, if, if Herb is so uncool that he is Uncle Herb, I must be, you know, great grandpa Vinny or something like that. Uh, my favorite White Sox uniform is the 1970s red pinstripes. Uh, I, I like a bright color. And basically, I like stuff from the 70s if my music taste has not been, uh, you know, uh, your mustache, too. Yeah, exactly. It looks like it's I'm right. I'm right there. So, yeah, listen, I know that the I know that the White Sox uh, have uh, an awful uh, awesome history in terms of hip hop culture, like you guys were just talking about. I uh, don't know anything about hip hop, so I'm going to go with the uh, uniforms that were being worn back when all my favorite bands were around, and of course they're not cool anymore. So yeah, there you but go. I mean, I, I go with the Reds. You, you, Those are smooth as hell. You're, you're down yeah. with the, you're down with music in general. You're a jazz guy. Uh, Shakia's written about uh, written about baseball and jazz, so I mean, you're cool. Yeah, I mean, you're a great grandpa. You're, you're listening to the older <laughs> stuff. Uh, what, what 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 band shirt you're rocking? We know that's usually a, a signature of yours. Yeah, I am. Oh, get ready for some not cool stuff now. I am rocking a Flying Burrito Brothers shirt, which is some country rock from the uh, country rock from the late '60s, early '70s. Graham Parsons, uh, Chris Hillman from the Birds. So it's a deep cut today. Uh, in fact, there were multiple people at White Sox camp. Bullpen coach Kurt Hassler, uh, new reliever Kendall Graveman, looked at it, laughed, and said, "Oh, what is that?" And I had to inform them that it was a band. So you know, the joke is always good when you have to explain it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and, and thanks for sharing with that uh, that with us, uh, great grandpa Vinny. Uh, but Shakia, you, you have a, a huge uh, jersey select or selection, is what you're telling us. Uh, what's the favorite in the closet? Uh, non socks, just what's the favorite that you could pull out on any day? Um, does it matter if it's baseball? No. What's what's your favorite jersey? Um, I have a um, I have a Pistons jersey, the old jersey with the, the teal with the horse on it. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about those. Is it the green one, the red one, the yeah, white one? It's the green one. It's it's that it's that teal joint. It's super, super nice. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm not a Pistons fan in any way, shape or form, but it is one of my favorites. Um, I also have a, um, a Team USA Scottie Pippen jersey, which is kind of silly, but big fan of of uh, team usa back then so i have one of those 
Absolutely, uh, Herb. If you if you had to pick a, a one of one of these one of the jerseys, uh, Vinny went with the red pinstripes. Uh, which one are you picking from from the Sox history here? The current uniform they wear with the pinstripes, black and white. Legalish SOX is all good, but it went to another level as this will prove my uncleness when they had the vest. They <laughs> and it looked sharp too. As a guy who likes to wear black and white or black and silver exclusively, those are perfect. Like it. The different settings of the sleeves being black, the arms, I mean, the chest being white. Mm. And then sometimes, like, mm. Jose Abreu. You know, like, That's an uncle noise. Mm. Abreu used to blouse his pants and yeah, yeah. the black socks. So the, the different uh, colors just. Uh, mm. Sleeves match the socks. And they haven't had those since that year. It's because you like them. Like, they, they, they <laughs> got rid of them, like, immediately after that. And they might have worn them in 2006, but golly. Like, they have so many. Look, I mean, I don't know if we're showing this on the YouTube, but they have so many uniforms that sticking with those 83s, which I do not like. 83. the batter man, but I don't like the SOX block across the chest, which I know as a White Sox fan is like sacrilege to say. Yeah. Everybody loves those. Yeah. Wear a different uniform on home Sundays because you have such great uniforms to pick from. The red uniforms that Vinny said. Uh, you were talking about the Pistons. You were... I'm sure you like a couple of those. Like, like the powder blue jersey that had with the script Chicago across the chest. The 70s roads. Where are those? Like they have so many. The script Chicago road uniforms or home uniforms right before they moved into guaranteed rate or uh, at the time Comiskey right. Park. Well, those are awesome. Just to stick to the 83s, I'm not good with that. I don't like them that that tough. I don't think they look good in them. And uh, Shake mentioned this in one of our articles, like uh, the uh, Boys in the Hood uh, movie. Uh was it straight out of Compton? Straight out of Compton. Uh, they that was filmed in like the the era of the script Chicago of the Frank Thomas like blue red and script Chicago. Uh, but they you know and it, it was they didn't switch over yet to the black and white, but they were wearing the black and white in the movie. Yeah, they were. Uh, it was it was tough. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, continuity. Continuity issues there. Uh, so, shake looking at at the Sox uniform history. If you had to roll with one, being the Jersey fanatic that you are, uh, which one sticks out the most? Which which uniform pair for the Sox sticks out the most? I mean, I'm a. I'm just kind of a classic look person. I do own a Sox jersey. Um, the only do you one have a I player have, on there. Yeah, the only one I have left. All of my other Sox stuff I've given away. Ask any of my friends; they look super good because I've given them <laughs> my jerseys. Um, I have a, <laughs> I have a Bo Jackson jersey, mm. Sox jersey, the white with the with the black pinstripes. It's one of my favorite jerseys. The eight, no name in the back. Yep. Yes, mm. sir. Yes, sir. You you know clean. you know very clean, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like you know, casket sharp. Um, I like that. I'm also just a big fan of black. Like, yeah. right? Like, yeah. just give me a nice, clean black. I know a lot of sports fans don't like black jerseys in any sport. Yes. They hate Detested. them. Because there's no imagination. They right, think. and also it's hard to read the numbers on the field, particularly if you're a writer. Like, you're trying to, like, yeah. you know, see who's doing what. But I'm a big fan of black jerseys. Well, I heard I heard of take about black jerseys, and we'll get to it first. I want to hold it. I want to tease it, because uh, you have a, a take about one of the White Sox black jerseys that I thought was interesting. But, Vinny, uh, what would you think of the uh, City Connect jerseys last year? Were you a fan of the Southside jerseys, yes or no? Because you're, you're the great-grandpa, uh, so we got to know what you're, yeah. you're you got to set Let's a baseline here. They were not for great grandpa. They were not made for great grandpa, and I appreciate that. That's just fine. I will tell you the reason, the number one thing I disliked about them, and you will laugh at me because no one will care about it but me. Southside is two words, guys. Oh, you, so, you hit on Shakia's it. That was Shakia's first thing. Shakia's it's the writer thing. connection. 
Yep, it drove me crazy. They brought it out, and I'm like, this is just wrong. It's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Thank and so you. it made me very upset, yes. Vinny, you want to be friends? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel I like you friends. and I, we're, we're the same people. Right? <laughs> I've been screaming this. I'm like, like Grand Funk Railroad. Like you are walking around <laughs> with a typo on your jersey. Like it's a typo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes it just makes me so mad. Vinny, you're, you're my guy. Hey, come <laughs> on. You're supposed to be a local Chicago thing. Don't spell the neighborhood wrong. Come on. Boom. I mean, you could have a jersey that has a neighborhood that actually doesn't exist on it. So it, it could go that Ooh. way, you know. Um, also, sorry, do- Cubs fans. Your Ray jersey Google. is also terrible. Um, worse. But it is worse. Much I would worse. I'd agree with you. Ugh. I think the Sox jersey it, it gives it's giving it's giving chalkboard like with with the the white the like, gray stone like yeah, effect that they tried to go yeah. for. Yeah, it definitely looks like um, Mrs. Brake, my first grade uh, teacher, would have been very upset because someone was like doodling all over. <laughs> it, it it just gives that. I, I mean, look, I just think they lacked imagination. They could have come with something extremely fly. Like, you have all these incredible players. You have all these guys. You're, you're death row. You're the death row of baseball. Like, get, give us some gangster. Like, you know, like not a typo and some, you know, scribbles. Well, the new City Connect jersey could just be white socks and the death row font, and that would be pretty sick. Oh, maybe. maybe. Here, here, here's, here's my idea for the City Connect jerseys. Pay me if you use this Nike. Um, After you put her in the Hall of Fame. I think that what they should do is what the Bulls are doing with their hat series, their artist hat series. Yeah. That is how you do it. You go to the city, you find local artists, and you say, hey, we would like to commission 10 local artists to give us 10 designs. And then you let fans vote. Hey, I like one in five or whatever. I think you'd have so much community buy-in. It would absolutely be an investment in local arts communities. They could donate some of the money or whatever. Maybe they don't do that kind of thing. But there's just they so could. many cool ways that that could have been done. And the engagement, and I, too. Yeah. And I know that, like, the people who designed that jersey worked really hard on it. But, you know... Um, I just think it could have it could have been stronger. And if I see you out in it and I know you, I'm going to roast you. I just want to be clear. We can still be friends, but like I'm gonna talk about you because you probably have on that jersey with Brooks shoes and Adidas socks. <laughs> Shout out Uncle Herb. <laughs> Getting roasted on the daily here on CHGO White Sox Podcast. That is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerall23. <laughs> the man in the circle, Vinny Duber. You can follow him oh, on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's down in Arizona giving you spring training updates daily. If you're a member of allchgo.com, you can read his great work, his many, many articles. He is at least re- uh, releasing two a day. Um, so you could go check that out on allchgo.com after you become a member. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson but mostly we have to thank our guest Shakia Taylor you can follow her on Twitter at Curly Fro the next ballpark figures interview series will be on April 5th 8 p.m. Eastern time you can check out saber.org and I think it's slash ballpark dash figures so go check that out Shakia Taylor follow her on Twitter at Curly Fro did you have a fun time I had a great
great time. Thanks for having me. And thank you for the beer. We appreciate that. I know Herb probably crushed that in, you know, 15 minutes again. (laughs) (laughs) For the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet, use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. We want to thank Shakia Taylor for joining us. We want to thank Vinny Duber for zooming in. And we want to thank Herb Lawrence for being our uncle. Uh, He's the uncle of White Sox Twitter and the White Sox world. Go vote for him in the 108 tourney. Let's take down Shane Reardon. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the CHGO White Sox podcast.